This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. The word of God for our consideration today is from the gospel you just heard. I will read the familiar words of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, who has called all of us not only to be his children, but also his witnesses and his ambassadors, dear fellow redeemed. Long before SpaceX was launching rockets in place of NASA, Years before there was an international space station or space shuttles, and a decade before man first walked on the moon, America and the Soviet Union were involved in a frenzied race to see who would be able to put a man into space first. Well, if we were going to win that race, we were going to have to have astronauts, some people with some very special qualifications to carry out that mission. You would need people who were incredibly skilled as pilots, people who had mental and physical toughness, who had the characteristic of determination and reckless courage. They coined a term for that combination of skills. They said people who had those skills had the right stuff. Out at Edwards Air Force Base in California, there was a group of hotshot fighter pilots, men who were known for their willingness to risk their lives in pushing to the limits the latest jet fighter aircraft. After a while, those men proved that they had exactly what it would take. Because they showed they had the right stuff, seven of them were chosen as the first astronauts. They had what it took. They carried out their mission, and it succeeded as planned. On a hill in Galilee, there was another group of men gathered together who were going to be asked to carry out a very important mission. It was only a few weeks after Jesus had risen from the dead, and Jesus was gathered with his disciples there on that mountain in Galilee, and he was about to leave them for the last time. And even with everything that those disciples had witnessed and seen over the past three years, they were still men who were filled with doubts and confusion, and they were anything but self-assured. And yet these were the men that Jesus was going to give a world-changing mission and task to carry out. Would these guys have what it takes to do that? Would they have the right stuff to carry out the mission that Jesus was giving them to do? I think if you would have asked them, they would have said, no, we're not up to that task. But Jesus knew that they would have what it would take because he himself would give it to them. Even though they were flawed and weak and wavering and dim-sighted disciples, he would give them everything that they would need. He would give them what it would take to carry out the mission he was giving them to do. Today, Jesus is calling us, his disciples today, to carry out the same 
mission. And because we too, like those first disciples, are weak and flawed and wavering, we might ask ourselves, do we have what it takes? Do we have the right stuff to carry out that mission? Well, God assures us that yes, we do, not because of anything in ourselves, but because of what Jesus himself is going to give us. And he has given us everything that it takes to carry out the mission he's asking us to do. He's given us a clear mission to carry out. He's equipped us with a powerful message. And he's given us his unchangeable and his unbreakable promises. As Jesus was leaving his disciples for the last time, he didn't leave them wondering, what now? What's next? He told them exactly what their mission was going to be. He clearly told them what he was asking them and his church to do. He didn't tell them that the mission of the church was to preserve itself as an institution. He didn't tell them that the mission of the church would be to build beautiful buildings or meet budgets. He didn't tell them that the mission of the church was primarily to take care of people's physical needs or to dole out helpful advice on how to cope in a difficult world. Those things are all good and important, some of them even necessary, but none of them are really at the heart and center of the mission that God has given us, his church today, to carry out. Our mission that Jesus gave us is to go into all the world, as he said, and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. To go and make disciples of all nations. To teach, to baptize, to bring people to know their Savior. To go to people to touch their lives, to touch their hearts with the bad news of God's law that describes them and us for what we are. And to follow that with the good news of what Jesus has done for a world of sinners. To do everything we can so that people here and around the world can come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so armed with that assignment to go into all the world and make disciples, that's exactly what those first disciples did. They went to people one by one as God gave them the opportunity. They went first of all to their family and their friends. They went to neighboring villages with that powerful message of a savior from sin. And when they realized that they needed to get that message farther than they could go, they chose others to go in their place. People like Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. Those men and all of the faithful witnesses who followed them did exactly as Jesus had asked them to do. They carried out that clear mission that God gave them. They took the message of Jesus, the powerful message of the gospel, across borders, over oceans, through the centuries, to the entire world. They preached and proclaimed a Savior that changed lives, changed hearts, changed the world, and changed you and me. That mission is the same one that Jesus has asked us to do. And he wants us to do as those disciples did in that ever-expanding circle of where we take the message of Jesus to try to bring people to know their Savior. 
We share Jesus with our family, our friends, with our co-workers and neighbors, inviting them to come and hear what we hear and to know and believe what we believe, the good news of what Jesus has done for them. Here in your community, your congregation faithfully, regularly proclaims the truth of God's word so people can hear and know that truth in a world where truth is kind of rare. And when we realize, like the disciples did, that the message needs to go farther than we can go, then we join together with 1,200 other congregations just like this one, with 350,000 other believers who believe the same thing you do, to take that message farther than we can take it ourselves. We join together with our prayers and our offerings to establish schools where we train pastors and teachers who will take the message of Jesus to people that you and I will never meet in places that you and I will never visit. We work through home missions to establish and plant new mission congregations throughout the United States and Canada. And we take the message to the world going overseas to places around the globe where people need to hear the message of the Savior. That is our mission. It's our mission because Jesus gave it to us. And not only does he give us the mission, but he gives us the opportunities to carry out that mission. Sometimes more opportunities than we could even ask or imagine. Our own Synod's Board for Home Missions, for example, this past year has planted eight new congregations in mission congregations in our country. And they have plans to establish a hundred new congregations in the next 10 years, God willing. Overseas, God is blessing our efforts to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus. In places like Zambia and Malawi in Africa, the gospel has been planted and has taken root, and now the churches there are growing and maturing with hundreds of congregations, 50,000 and more members, with dozens of pastors who've been fully trained. Maturing, those, or that those synods are maturing to the point where they too now are actually sending missionaries to neighboring countries in Africa. In places like India, Pakistan, Nepal, and China, places where the governments don't allow us to send American missionaries, we're having the opportunity to train spiritual leaders and pastors who themselves then are planting congregations, training people, bringing people to know Jesus as their savior in spite of the great risk that they face personally. In Eastern Europe, our sister churches there are preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus with our assistance to people who for decades under communism had never heard the gospel and don't know who Jesus is. In Latin America, we have, through new technology, the ability to reach people throughout Central and South America to the point where we are training people, spiritual leaders, who are gathering small congregations in every single country of Central and South America. And in of all places, a country like Vietnam. There, there's a church body of 100,000 members who has asked us, our synod, to train their pastors. Why? Because they want to be a confessional Lutheran Church. 
That training has already begun, and what's even more amazing is that the government of Vietnam has invited us to build a school to train those pastors in, of all places, Hanoi. And the new opportunities to carry out that mission keep on coming. Our Board for World Missions is looking at entering new fields right now. Places like Senegal, a Muslim country in Africa where the Christian religion is permitted. Place like Bangladesh in Asia. And even an exotic place like London, England. In those places, people are saying to us, begging us like the man from Macedonia, please come over to us and help us. Yes, God has given us what it takes because he's given us a clear mission. But that's not all. The clear mission isn't the only thing he's given us. You know, no military commander will send his soldiers into battle without the right weapons. No surgeon will go into surgery without the right instruments. And no carpenter will try to build a house without the right tools. In the same way, Jesus does not send us on this mission empty-handed. No, he gives us the tools to carry that mission out. And the tool that he gives us is the message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. He doesn't expect us to come up with that message on our own or to say what we think we need to say. Into our hands he places his truth, his word, his powerful gospel, and says, now go. Go and preach. Go and proclaim. And what a message that is that he gives us. It's a message where he comes to us, first of all, with the crushing force of his law, where he reminds us that he is a holy and righteous God who punishes sin, where he warns us that the soul that sins shall die. And when we hear how far we've fallen short of the perfection God has every right to expect of us, he drives us to our knees, where we cry out and say, God, be merciful to me a sinner. But then he comes to us with another part of that message. He comes to us with that best news that you and I will ever hear. The news that Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That he came to this world and lived a perfect life in our place. That he died an innocent death on the cross to cover our sins with his own blood. That he rose again on Easter Sunday morning to assure us that he had defeated death once and for all, not only for himself, but for us as well. In that beautiful, unconditional proclamation of the gospel, he comes to each one of us and says, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. You are mine. You belong to me. You will not die, but you will live. You're righteous in my sight because of what Jesus has done. And by the power of his word, he enables us to hear that message, to believe it, to know it, and to rejoice in knowing that it's true. That same message that Jesus has enabled to come into our hearts and that he's enabled us to believe is the message he's given us to proclaim and share with others. 
to take that powerful gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, and share it with everyone we know and make it possible to be shared with people that we don't yet know. Because he's given us the message, we have what it takes. But there's one more thing he gives us besides the clear mission, besides the powerful mission, besides the powerful message. Did you ever stop and think that the very thought of taking the message of Jesus to the entire world is something that seems almost overwhelming? Humanly impossible? I mean, when we look at the vastness of the field, the billions of people that need to hear about Jesus as their Savior, or they'll be lost eternally. When we look at the, the culture that we live in and realize that it's a culture that every day seems to be more and more hostile to everything that God tells us in his word and hostile to people like us who believe it. When we look at the obstacles that Satan throws in the way of his church and the setbacks and disappointments that happen. When we look at ourselves, our own weakness of faith, that leads us to be slow to believe, slow to work, slow to sacrifice. We look at all of that and we wonder, is this task possible? Are we up for that task? Do we have what it takes? Thankfully, Jesus gives us the answer. It's not in us, not in our strength, not in our ability that we can carry out that work, but it's because he has given us an unbreakable and amazing promise he says, as you go, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He says to us, I will be with you to defend you, to protect you. I will be with you to bless the work that you do. I'll be with you to take the seed of the gospel that you plant when you share it with people and that you water when you talk to them about God's word. I'm going to make that seed grow. We have his unbreakable promise that as we, his church, carry out the mission he's given us to do, the gates of hell itself will not be able to withstand God as he builds his church. In my mission visits to places like India and Africa, Hong Kong, I've had the privilege of meeting many people who because of the preaching and proclamation of the gospel that you've made possible through your mission work are now my brothers and sisters in the faith and yours. What a privilege it's been to meet them. And, and there's one man in particular that I recall. I was at a conference in Africa, a conference that involved pastors and lay people. And at the end of that conference, there was an elderly man sitting way in the back. He was a layman, and he raised his hand and asked if he could speak. And when the chairman granted him permission to speak, he got up slowly, and he moved to the center of the aisle in the back of the church. And then two friends went to either side of him and grabbed his elbows. And then he slowly, with great frailty and difficulty, got down on his knees. And as he was on his knees in that center aisle, he directed his comments to me. He said, I want you to know that I'm on my knees, not because I'm asking you for something. I'm on my knees because I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you and all the people of the Wisconsin Synod 
who brought the good news of Jesus to Africa, who brought us the truth of God's word, and who enabled us to know Jesus as our Savior. And when you go back to America, I want you to do something for me. Would you please thank the members of the Wisconsin Synod for what God has enabled them to do? So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do what that man asked me to do. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your faithful support. Thankful for the work that you do as individuals in bringing the message of Jesus to people who desperately need to hear it. Remember that man. And remember people like him around the world who've come to know Jesus because of the work that God has given us the privilege to do. As I said before, they are your brothers and your sisters. And even though you haven't met them, someday you will. Someday you'll be a part of that beautiful scene that the Apostle John describes in the book of Revelation. When he says of us and all who will know Jesus, there before me a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing in front of the throne of the Lamb. Do we have the right stuff? Do we have what it takes to carry out this mission that Jesus has given us to do? Not in ourselves, but we do have what it takes because of what Jesus has given to us. He's given us that clear mission. He's given us a powerful message, and he's given us amazing, unbreakable promises to bless us as we do that work. So because we have what it takes, there's only thing one, left, one thing left for us to do, and that's to go. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. And we now join in confessing our faith with the words of